Euphoia, a Greek word meaning having beautiful thoughts and a well-balanced mind. A balanced mind and body bring inner strength and self-confidence to power your best self. Euvoia Wellness, spelled E-U-V-O-I-A Wellness, is created to help you be your best self. All of our products are made using full-spectrum CBD, meaning we use all the therapeutic parts of the hemp plant. If you have areas of discomfort or pain, our CBD relief roll-on is perfect for getting deep into your sore joints and muscles. A good night's sleep is vital to good health. Our sleep oil gives you better REM sleep and more refreshed mornings, while our regular full-spectrum oils are truly the liquid gold you need for your daily routine, making your days more focused and less stressful. Go to Uvoya Wellness, E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com and find the natural solution for your wellness needs. That's E-U-V-O-I-A wellness.com and use promo code wellness at checkout for 15% off your purchase. Welcome to Sufficiently Black, the podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. I am one of your co-hosts, Kia, and I'm here with... Introduce we haven't done a story. I'm Amari. <laughs> and I'm Janae. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Oh. I haven't done a segment in so long that I really forgot that that's how we decided it was going. I'm sorry. We've been doing it for like years. <laughs> Um, anyway, welcome guys. As a reminder, join our Discord or conversations and follow us at sufficiently blk on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, shout out to us for getting some recognition by Francesca Ramsey and Amazon. So we're kind of a big deal. Now go listen and download. I mean, yeah, if you're already listening, <laughs> they're already listening. Yeah, tell, but tell a friend, as The weekend says, tell your friends about it. So just tell a friend, that's all. Um, so how you guys, oh wait, sorry, also we are partnering with Clever.fm, really dope people over there, and we are partnering that, with them to take this community to the next level. Um, on Clever, we can have discussions about topics at any specific points in the episode, so if you guys listen to the episode on Clever, you want to chat with us uh, or chat with the community, you could just like be like, hey, I really like this topic. Has anyone else felt this way or something like that? Um, so yeah, check out Clever.fm. It's an app uh, on Android and iOS. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, okay. How are you two beautiful people doing? Oh, she called us beautiful. Wow. Wow. I'm fine. That's it. I have a hunger Damn. headache. I was telling them before. That's the all. energy. I went to the gym. No, my energy is low. I um, leg pressed like three hundred something pounds. Damn. And every time I do that, my energy's just like gone, which it makes sense. It's all in your legs now. <laughs> it's yeah. It's all in my legs. I am um, hoisting them up right now. But yeah, Amari, you you have more energy than me. I mean, how are you? Yeah, I was gonna just say I understand how you're feeling. I feel like this past like few weeks, I've just been like, I don't know. I feel like being adult just makes me miserable, and it's not my natural. Oh my God. It's not my natural state as a human being. So then I end up feeling more shitty about myself because um, I'm like negative, and I'm just like the more I work, the more I'm just like. 
an angsty person. I don't I don't like being this way. Do you think I'm it's tired. your specific job or do you think it's just having a job? I think it's just like having a job. I feel like every second of the day, it's like someone asking you to do this and you're just like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want people to ask me questions. I just want to do nothing. Maybe that's your specific, not, I, I don't think it, what I say, because I don't want to say that I'm lazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I get that. I honestly, I feel the same way. I feel like the more you get responsibility, the more your job requires, the more it kind of feels like, what is this? This is stupid and pointless. Yeah, but I don't want to do it. But, like, if you think about it, so it's, like, like your job is, like, one aspect of it, but I feel like even just, like, the things that come with, like, being adult are tiring, too. It's, like, the to-do, there's always stuff on the to-do list, or, like, even, like, it's, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if y'all feel this, and I think as an adult, I've, like, been reminded, this is why I don't have a lot of friends, because I cannot give (laughs) this much, like, necessary attention to people, Um, but I just feel like, I don't know. It's like, oh, I have to remind myself to text someone and that takes energy or got to do all this. And I, I don't know. I just, it's, I think life has just been overwhelming. Do, uh, I would say, I was going to say once you keep doing it, then maybe it gets just ingrained in your head. No, because I feel like a lot of the, maybe not. No, because I feel like a lot of the energy, (laughs) Sorry. because I feel like so much is like your energy is like you're putting it to other things so like and if, you're putting it to other things that you have to like basically survive like yeah you're putting it to your job and I, yeah no i i get it it is hard and i think it's a hard pill to swallow especially when you get older because it's like when people are in a relationship that takes their energy or people maybe have like a sick parent or i don't know things start to or people have a dog I don't know. just like a little example of that I'm irritated right now because, okay, I work from home. So every day I am inside alone, not socializing. This weekend, I had a social last weekend. Now I'm going to Syracuse on Tuesday. And now, (laughs) Mari, (laughs) I'll see you. I'll text you. Okay. (laughs) Now I'm like, before I go, I have to do laundry. So that means that at some point I have to lug all of my shit down to the laundry mat. I could have did it this weekend, but I wanted to be social and didn't want to have to fucking worry about it. So now as an adult who lives in a city without a fucking laundry in my building, which is partially on me, now I have to lug all my shit and do laundry. And if I don't do it, it's all going to pile up. On top of that, one of the wheels to my suitcase I just found out is messed up. So now I have to decide whether I'm just going to carry my suitcase or spend $100, $150, $200 on new luggage. You know, it's that small stuff with adulthood where it's just like, could I just, could, could I, no, I object. When I think about things that cost money, I'm like, damn, I wish I had a man to just pay for this. Yeah. That's always my first reaction is like, someone else should be paying for this. <laughs> and I'm mad because I spent $150 on this suitcase less than a year ago. That's, and the wheels you already get your messed money up. Back. Where'd you get the suitcase from? Macy's. You would think Macy's is reliable, huh? Yeah, you would. That makes sense. Well, the good news is daylight savings is coming, and I'm happy because that means more sunlight, and yeah. I thrive in the spring. And summer's coming. I'm so excited for but summer. I'm so excited. Summer, I'm like, where am I going with these gas prices? 
girl, take the train. <laughs> like, Should have came to New York. What? <laughs> the train prices are the same. Like, <laughs> the bus prices are the same. Still two seventy five. Uh, you know? To, I'm just like, I'm like, we ain't even out this pandemic, and y'all starting wars. Y'all starting wars. Oh my! I God. swear, this this would not be an issue if more women were in charge. I'm gonna just put that out there. If more women were in leadership positions. All of our issues would be gone. When I think about, I couldn't, I was going to a concert and I was, I'm 10 minutes away from the, the train station, but I couldn't walk. I had to walk early before the sunset because I'm like, men are out here doing stupid shit to women. So I got to make sure I get there before the sun sets. And then I couldn't, I had to take an Uber back because I'm like, I don't trust men. If there was just a bunch of women in this neighborhood, I would be out and about. But I just didn't have that because men are weird. Also, uh, you know, your girl's been out here trying to date, trying to, keywords trying, and y'all are sending some weird messages, and I just want, if you have a man in your life, like a brother or a son, please, please check what they are saying to women, because I, I, I refuse to believe that your mothers and your sisters know what y'all are saying. It's just, it's weird, and it's concerning, and that's what I'm going to say. I, two things that are weird. That also have to do with men. This war. I don't understand why Putin feels the need. Because he's white? Like, I don't. And these days now, in 2022, I understand wars that have been going on. Well, I don't understand them. But, like, if it's an ongoing issue, right? Okay. Apparently, Putin's been trying to take Ukraine for like the past just yeah, few years. years. This is, yeah. hasn't been like a hundred years like other conflicts of Bruin. No. But like, why? You don't need them. Because he Leave wants them it. alone. Wait, Leave he them. You're wants causing, it. You're causing so much trouble, strife, pain, murder. He doesn't care. Janae, you're approaching this from a logical standpoint. There is no logic in this. There is no well, logic honestly, in war. Well, honestly, if you war. think of, I, was, I was just about to say, if you think about wars through history, like, none of them make sense. It's all about power. It's all about money. It's all about greed. Like, there is no reason. I guess reason. who likes those things? Men. Men like yeah. power. Men like money. Men like greed. Only a man and, would be like, I want that. I want to take it. And that's how they operate. Like, women. I want her. I will force myself upon her. Because I want this. I want this job. I'm going to do whatever. Like, that's just how they operate. Yeah. So it doesn't. It's true. It's not wild to me that someone who's been in power for de- how long is it? 10 years, whatever years, who has been in power? I want this. I want to make my legacy longer. I want to make it uh, bigger. And I want to take it because I can. And I think I deserve it. I think yeah. every human being should just, we should all just like, let's just live our lives. You know, like. What's wrong with a quiet existence? Just like moving through What's wrong life. with that? You know? What's you're wrong asking, with that? You're asking for, again, logic that cannot be accessed when people are not logical. This world is just tiring. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever had that outlook of like, I want it, so I'm just going to take it. And you know what? You, you know what? You don't have the privilege to. I don't have the privilege to as a woman. As a woman, I'm taught to think about everyone else and value everyone else's feelings and needs before my own. So also, there would be more really, consequences for you. Th- yeah, there are more consequences for me. I saw this TikTok, and this, I guess, kind of goes in line with, like, dating and men or whatever. And it was this American black girl in South Korea. 
on a night out and this drunk Korean guy picks her up and like picks her up and tries to wrap her legs around him and he's just holding her. And this other guy comes and he's like grabbing her arm to try to get her away and make sure she doesn't fall because this drunk guy just literally picked her up. And it's like men really be like, I want it. So I'm gonna take it. And I'm like, I could never think that way. I think the only time I thought that way was as a kid, just because I didn't under because you're a kid, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, you know, like I see that toy. I want it like. I'm going to take it from that little kid because I want it, you know? Like, I'm not saying that's the way to be, but I think as a kid, I did that because, like, you don't have any concept of, like... <laughs> um, you don't know what's right and what's wrong. Right, you're still... You're, you're still but You're some still. some people learning. don't grow out of it. But that's a great segue into our episode. Um, <laughs> we're talking about children. Uh, we sat down with a friend of the podcast, Ellen Freeman, a really awesome soul, awesome person. And she is the mother of a now 10-month-old baby. And we're talking about parenting and what parenting looks like now, um, how parenting is different from our generation versus our parents, what is gentle parenting, the new trend on TikTok, and, yeah, the concerns we have with bringing children to the world. Um, it's a great conversation. Ellen is awesome. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm really excited for our conversation today. We have someone dear to me, dear to the podcast. Um, and I will let her introduce herself first, and then we can go into the backstory of how we met. So, Ellen, welcome to Sufficiently Black. Hi, I am so happy to be here. Um, it's really cool to look at your lovely faces uh, and actually see like the voices as they talk. That's really cool. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Ellen Freeman. I am in relation to this topic that we're going to be talking about today, a new mom to a uh, nine month old, uh, 10 month old, actually, at the end of the week uh, named Olivia. She is my mini CEO. And uh, the reason why I am changing everything about the way I look at the world and the way I look at things. And so um I am super excited to be here and talking today. I want to be clear right up front. I am nobody's expert. I am an expert at the stage that Olivia is in right now and only for Olivia. That is it. Um, I am just a person who watches a lot of TikToks and a lot of Instagrams, reads books, um, and does a lot of Googling. So I'm super excited to talk with you guys today. We love a disclaimer, okay? <laughs> Gotta be clear. <laughs> and someone who real, who recognizes the free access of Google. Period. <laughs> Simply. <laughs> Speaking of the free access, I'm pretty sure I always start saying that because of Kid Fury from The Read, which is actually how Ellen and I met. Oh, no. Actually, we met through Twitter and The Read and Guys We Fucked, all three of those things. So as you guys know, I'm always on Twitter 24-7. Um, and this was like back in, what is this, 2016-ish era when maybe Twitter was like earlier. more popping. Oh, maybe earlier. You're right. It's probably like 2014, 2015 era. 
Um, and Crystal from The Read was on Guys We Fucked, uh, another podcast. And the Guys We Fucked audience is, like, pretty white. They're two white girls. And I think Ellen tweeted, like, oh, I'm so excited that Crystal's on Guys We Fucked. And I was like, holy shit, a black person listens to Guys We Fucked. And then we connected and... Yeah, and that was kind of like the start. Unless I'm forgetting something, Ellen. No, I think that's it. We met at a bar in New York, and the vibes were just as cool in person. And we were like, cool, uh, we like each other. Let's stay in touch. Had no idea that the kind of friendship that we would grow to have would would be all of that just based off the Twitter post in the beginning. Yeah, it was literally just because I think Corinne retweeted you, and I saw it, and then Ellen and I uh, started talking about our interests, obviously podcasting is one of them, and we loved the read, and we started um, a Facebook group because we thought it was crazy how, like, so many cool people, like, weren't together at once, and the Facebook group, I don't even know how it grew, I mean, Ellen really was the backbone of the group because I wasn't really on Facebook, and... It, like, blew up, like, I don't even know. How many people did we have? Like, 15,000 at one point? I think and then we, we had to cut it. About 10 before we, we cut it. Yeah, so it was, like, a crazy big group, 10,000. They mentioned Wait it on the minute. show. Wait a yeah. minute. Is this, like, I feel like The Read has mentioned their Facebook yes. before. Is this the Facebook that The Read, like, this is the talks Facebook. about? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, that's so cool. <laughs> so I knew, yeah, because I... I knew you had started it with a friend. I just, like, didn't realize until this moment that it was Ellen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was Ellen. And Ellen really was the reason it blew up, because she was the one, like, posting all the time. And then I would be on Twitter, like, join our group, join our group. And then it just, like, blew up. And then somehow they found out about it. But then people were, like, you never – first of all, we didn't know it was going to get to 10,000. I thought it was going to get to, like, 500 max. And once it got to 10,000, it's just like, that's a lot to like manage 10,000 people. That's a job. Um, <laughs> it's a job on top of our full-time jobs. We legit had shifts. We would check yeah, in for shifts. shifts to moderate Jesus. that group. Like it Y'all was are insane. community managers. <laughs> Put it on the resume. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it was like, it, yeah, we definitely like basically got like a new job, but it was fun. Like we didn't, I didn't mind it because it was just like stupid shit all the time. But then it got to the point where like, you realize, like, 10,000 people obviously have, like, you know, different personalities and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. So then we had to shut it down, and then we have a private one that's only, like, 500 people. But, um, yeah, that's how I, how I know Ellen, and she's such a great person. I'm so happy we stayed in contact for all these years. And I've seen Ellen uh, grow. I don't know, Ellen, when did I meet you? Like, your early 20s, and then... Uh, she kept talking about how she wanted a baby really young at like 26 and next thing I knew Ellen Ellen was pregnant and now she has lived and it's so crazy to see that like whole journey in your 20s yeah I'm a planner I'm type a um, and I'm a planner so I had always said that I was going to have a baby at like 26 I think Um, I got married at 25 I've been with my husband for 11 years. I should also note that. Um, I got married at 25 and then was like, I'm not ready to have a child. I am not responsible enough for myself yet. Uh, So I waited. Um, Obviously, I'm I'm 29 now, about to turn 30 in a couple of months um, to actually have my first child. But yeah, I've been talking... 
I've been talking about children for a while. I've been reading parent content for a while. If TikTok had been around all of those years ago, I would have been on Black Parent TikTok a long time ago because I'm just a planner. I want to hear everything. I want to think about everything. So, yeah. So, Ellen, I'm so curious. You said you always planned to be a mom and you knew that by a certain age you wanted to have kids. Did you ever get deterred by the terrible stories that we hear about childbirth or motherhood? I mean, I know I've always wanted to be a mother, but when I hear that you tear from like your coochie to your asshole or that like the kid literally doesn't sleep and you get anxiety when you're away from the kid, when they're like fresh out the twat, like all of those things and your hair falls out after the kid's born, all of those things. And then (laughs) just all of it, just all of it. The older I get and the closer I get to being stable enough to having a kid, I'm like, Oh, that sounds like some bullshit. Did you ever have those feelings or thoughts? Absolutely. Um, One reason I even pushed my plan from 25, 26 to uh, getting pregnant at 28 and having her right before 29 was because I had read Angie Martinez's book. And in her book, she was talking about when she first had her son, Um, she had gone to his room because he was crying and she checked on him and she came out and she was talking to her partner at the time and she was like, oh my God, it never stops. And her partner had had kids before. So he was like, oh no, like eventually they start sleeping through the night. You'll start sleeping. It's fine. Like everything will be good. And she was like, no, it's not that. It's the worry. Like I thought that the worry would stop once I stopped being pregnant, but I'm still worrying now and he's here. And she was saying how even at that point, I think her son was like 10 or maybe even a little bit older. And she still worries like she did when she was pregnant with him. And I was like, um, I'm not ready to worry about anybody for the rest of my life right now. Let me just go a couple more years worry free. But the the bullshit, as as you say, which it is, it, it is honestly, it's some bullshit. I will tell you that it's it is. Uh, but to me, when I always heard that, I always was like, whoa, but somebody went through that for another person multiple times. That's got to be amazing love. That has got to be just some of the best love you could ever experience. And I am right. Also, also, though, I will tell you, the human body is a magical being. You forget a lot of that stuff. You forget a lot of the stuff. Your kid is cute. You're just looking at your kid and it's just all love and great. And a lot of people told me that ahead of time. I was like, yeah, right. No, they were right. But I just knew even if they weren't right about that, whatever it was for you to still say, I love this human being right here had to be just wonderful magical love that I wanted to be able to experience so I definitely get it but that is why I still that's why I still went through with with kids you're completely right the human body's amazing Amari you talk it is scary yeah well I was just gonna say because I mean like I think that's like the intriguing thing or like about like the idea as someone who doesn't have kids a motherhood is like experiencing that type of intense love but also as someone who is highly stressed out already on my own 
and like people describe like having a kid as like wearing your heart on the outside of your chest, I I would die early death, I feel, because I wouldn't be stressed about myself and it's just about the kid i mean i understand it's beautiful but it's just like you can't con- and i feel like it's like the the lack of control like you can't control the world around this child um and i feel like i would just want to like shove them in like i really want to rapunzel them <laughs> i wish that i could lock her into a bubble and just keep her with me all the time i'm not gonna lie the level of worry is crazy however um i'm a big person uh i'm a big advocate for therapy me and my therapist since day one since i got pregnant have been talking about this worry thing and she really has helped me come up with tools to get that in control so i'm good like i'm i'm okay it's not killing me like i thought i would I also am on meds now. I I ended up getting on meds during my uh, pregnancy for my anxiety. So I think that also helps as well. Um, But even with all of the worry, the love is bigger. I don't know. I'm telling you, parenting has crack in it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they put in it, okay? I don't know what, I'm a God person. I don't know what God was doing when he put parenting together um, to make you want to not only have this kid, but then do it again, knowing all of the things that come with it, there's crack in it. But the love, that little face is is worth it for all of the worry, all of the scaries, all of the everything, 100% worth it. Wait, I have a heartwarming parent story, something my dad did recently that made me like, wow, he really loves me. <laughs> so I, my parents live in upstate New York. I am in the downstate tri-state area. Uh, so I am close enough to go home every few months, which I do. And months and months and months ago, I went home. I got boba from a random place. And then I left a boba straw in my parents' car, I guess. So that was months ago. That was probably in the summer. So then I went home again a few months ago for like the holidays or whatever Um, and I got boba, but I lost the boba straw. So I was in the house like, dang, I need a straw. We ain't got no straws. And then my parents stared at each other and my mom started laughing. And then my dad was like, look above the fridge. And there was the boba straw. And I was like, why is there a boba straw here? And my parents started laughing. And my mom was like, when you were here months ago, you left a boba straw in the car and I was going to throw it out and your dad said no we're not throwing that out that's my baby straw and she gonna be back with some boba so keep the straw and my mom was like Darren we don't need to keep this damn straw and my dad was like no we're keeping the straw I needed it again I love that (laughs) it was my baby my when parents use like my baby like 
my my mom every time she calls it's like clockwork like she'll leave a voicemail she goes hey baby it's mommy like it's a, i don't know who she is but she does it all the time my dad leaves the same voicemail every time and he's the only person to leave me voicemails every time it's like hey baby how you doing all right I well, love call it. me back every time same voicemail same voicemail every time. I think it's a black parenting thing. Like, it's just, like, that consistency. But honestly, if this was a debate, Ellen, you win on selling me on parenting because Kia, I... Don't pretend I mean, I was, like you aren't already sold. But I wasn't sold young when I was younger. I was not sold. I was not sold when I was younger. I used to think kids were gross and weird. I mean, I always thought, like, I was just going to have them because that's, you know, what you see in life. But, yeah, I would say, like, when I hit 25, the, the little itch started coming. And I really do believe that God is keeping my person away from me because he knows if we would have met at, like, 23, I would be pregnant by 25, 26. And I think he was like, no, it's too early for her. So he's keeping him away from me. That's what I believe. Because I love black parent TikTok, even though I'm not a parent or even close to a parent or even close to a relationship. But I love seeing black parent TikTok because one, I love seeing black kids being loved. And two, I just think it's so fascinating, like the parenting tips and how um, this like almost new age parenting. And Ellen, you can talk to this more because I'm, I'm sure you're more involved in the TikTok because I only follow like a couple of people. But do you also see this kind of like uh, new way of like even giving birth because I know you had a doula right yeah 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 and I know that a lot of black women um, are, are looking into doulas now and I feel like I never would have heard this five years ago but now even my cousin's wife was telling me she was like researching this black doula and like I don't know I just feel like all this is kind of new so can you tell us about like the new things in parenting you're seeing sure um, so I just want to say, I want to say two things before I address your question. First of all, foremost, if you are on the fence about wanting a child, if you're like, I don't think I really want children, but wow, that does sound nice. Don't do it. Listen, I'm telling you it's cracking it. I've told you this. I'm explaining to you that we are all high. Okay. I am more like, not to make a political statement here, but I am like more pro-choice since having a child because I love that little being that's in the room next to me. If I didn't want that little being in the room next to me, I I don't I would be in the ground. I she, she's a lot. Parenting is a lot. Everything is like thrown into your face. She looks like her father, but she acts just like me. And it, th it throws you off. It's really just like an in your face. Here is you in this little person in all of your faults that you don't usually like to think about. It's just like present and you have to parent that. Don't do it. If you are really like, I don't think I want to do it, but maybe a little don't, don't do it. <laughs> it's a lot. Just be a great aunt, a great uncle, a great MB, like just, just, you know, I'll say that. But um, yeah, I did do a lot of different, I put that in quotation marks, things with my pregnancy. Um, and I think that ac accounts for a couple of different things. One, I do work for a women's reproductive health organization. It put me into rooms 
where I was hearing doctors, lawmakers, um, nurses, midwives talk about programs that are available to all women that specifically black women and other women of color weren't using either because they didn't know about it or they didn't actually have access to it. You hear about these scary things around um, black maternal mortality and uh, the dangers that you can have while being pregnant or being in the hospital. So it got me going into the, okay, well, what can I do? It can't just simply be, I just show up and hope everything goes well and that's just it. What what else can I, I learn about? So I learned about, um, while at my job in a conference, I learned that there were checks that you could do before um, you even got pregnant to say, hey, I want to be pregnant. This is kind of like an interview um, with the potential doctor or the midwife, and I want to see what you're like. Uh, talk to me about your 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 practices, what you think about pregnancy. Um, for me, I am a plus size girl. So what are your feel? for me? It was like, what are your feelings around plus size births and other things like that? I'm a big podcast listener. So I was listening to a bunch of pregnancy podcasts. Um, and I heard an episode with a doula who came on the podcast and talked about how doulas can actually um, lessen the chance of women having um, traumatic births. They can lessen the chance of you actually dying from childbirth. They're just another person in the room who can one, be an advocate for you. Uh, but then two, and I think is really most important, explain to you kind of in plain English what's going on so that you can make an informed decision um, instead of just guessing or leaving it in the hands of your doctor. Um, when I was giving birth, I ended up having to be induced um, because my uh, cramps had been going on for a while and they couldn't find Liv on the actual monitor. She wasn't moving as much as they liked. And so all of a sudden it turns from this like calm, peaceful experience to like four different people in the room. They're telling you, you need to go do this immediately. They're using all of these big words. You have no idea what they mean, what you're agreeing to. But I was able to go, please hold on. Can we call my doula? Let's repeat that because she wasn't at the hospital yet. And then she was able to tell him, okay, give her a minute. And then she explain to me, here is exactly what they're saying. Here are your options that you have. Here's what I would suggest, but it is totally up to you because it's your body, your pregnancy and what you want to do. And I truly think that makes a difference. My mother had never even heard of a doula when I told her that I was getting one. She was like, what, what do you need a doula for? I don't, I don't understand. This is, I understand that this is like a very hippy dippy kind of thing um when you talk to especially most like older black women they didn't have doulas or anything like that they just went and it was the doctor they didn't have midwives um they don't recognize they don't know that there is an altern an alternative to a regular doctor which is a midwife who does less um of like the medical interceptions and will work with you more on helping you have the kind of birth that you want, which is oftentimes for people who go to midwives, more natural, quote unquote, um, 
without less without medicine so much um and so even then it was like why are you going to a midwife instead of a regular ob why are you doing a doula um and i know a lot of that stuff was different but i went through podcasts and heard about what other women were doing to, in order to come out of the the room safe with their babies um and wanted to have that same experience for myself going off of what you said i think it's interesting like the uh the many different ways you can give birth and like how we, I think a lot of us just like have this one narrow focus about it. It's like, Oh, you go to a hospital, you lie down and you push or whatever. I remember I was watching a, a French film and they had like this machine where you stand up on it and like while you're giving birth and like, that's how the baby slips out. <laughs> it was just like, I had never thought about like using gravity as a way to like help y- you um, push out a child. That's a really um, old practice actually. Like centuries ago, they made women stand on like blocks and push out that way. But anyway, continue. Sorry. No, but it makes, it makes sense. But I think it was like something that I think a lot of these things, it's like, you don't consider it or think about it until it's presented to you. And I feel like giving birth in America is presented in a very like narrow view. Um, and, and this isn't necessary. My question doesn't necessarily have to do with like the means of giving birth, but like how you came to the, the decision to have kids or a kid. Um, and like, did you, I know you said at a young age you wanted to have a child, but like, did at any point you feel like pressured by like family or society to have a kid? um by a certain age and do you think that like at any point that influenced your decision to want children so I will say no and no but when I say no and no I don't mean that there weren't people who were like you need to have a kid or where is your kid um Larry and I have been together for uh 11 years like I said um his family a lot of them have their babies young. So after I was coming around for, you know, a little while, they were like, where's your kid? Why aren't you having a baby? And I'd have to be like, can I graduate college first? And then I graduated college and then they'd be like, okay, so where's your kid? And I was like, can I get established in New York City first? Can I get established in Charlotte? Can we get married first? (laughs) Like it was always for me. Are they from the South? Yes, my whole family is from the South. And his family, too? Yes. Okay. I think that makes a little more sense. Yes, I I think that does. It does certainly make a difference. Um, But for me, I was always in the mind of nobody is paying for these children except me. So you cannot pressure me into having these children because it's not going to happen. Even Larry himself, uh, literally for 11 years has been asking me for a kid. He loves children. Um, and he always knew he wanted to be a dad. And I was like, you're not pushing this baby out. So, um, I will have this baby with you when I am ready to have this baby. And he was like, cool, understood. (laughs) And that's just what it was. So it's not saying that the pressure wasn't out there, but at the end of the day, you're not pushing out the kid. You're not paying for the kid. Nobody is here at night except for me and Larry when this baby wakes up two or three times um, at night and wants to eat. It's just me. And so I never let I anyone that. else put that kind of pressure and I, on I think me. we need, as a society, to stop, like, asking people when are they going to have children, like, when are they going to get married? Because it's such a personal 
question that, and you don't know people's like history. Like, what if someone was asking that and you had like nine miscarriages and it's like a, a pain point for you? You know what I'm saying? I just think that things were like, as a society, like that and people's weight. I just never understood why those were the two things that people feel the need to comment when it's such an intimate like thing. And I really hope um, people would stop that shit. It's really weird. Hello, everyone. This is Jaden Miller, and I invite you to join me on my podcast, Think About It with Jaden Miller. You can find me on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find me on my YouTube channel, Think About It with Jaden Miller. For more information about me and my podcast, just go to www.jadenmiller.com. We talk about cultural events, current events, current topics, and entertainment, so much more. So I look forward to you all joining me, Think About It with Jaden Miller. Spoken word poetry, raw, unfiltered, and delivered straight to you. Welcome to Digital Poetry Festival, a podcast for poets and poetry lovers to get their daily fill of poetry. Hosted by Ashley Alizor of the band Odinani. But it's, and it's also like the assumption that that's what you want. Like, why are we all assuming everyone wants marriage or like everyone wants kids? Because it's like not everyone's truth. So I really do think that's, that's an interesting thing too. Because then I feel like also sometimes people like, um, instead of being okay with your decisions about like, if you didn't want to have kids or marriage, people then like judge you for not wanting that. And I think it's just very interesting how we put these things like on pedestals or like, these are like the markers of your life. And it's like, yeah, that's important. But like, there, there are other things like you don't have to want all that stuff. Yeah. And also a lot of people shouldn't be parents. Like that's also the reality of like, when we think about parenting, like, you hear people talk and you're like, holy fuck, why did you reproduce? <laughs> like, I think that all the time. I'm just like, yeah. it's always, it seems to be a lot of the wrong people. And it's because society is, like, forcing them, like, get married. They get married to a toxic partner. They have a kid. They have a terrible relationship with the kid. And it's just, like, a, a never-ending cycle. Um, and I just think, again, that's something, like, people, I feel like having a kid and being married are, like, two of maybe the most important decisions of your life and it seems like people just don't think about those two things which is kind of wild like having a child with like anyone it's like wait what something that I find very bizarre within the black community and maybe I could be wrong but I've seen this just primarily within the black community and Ellen you touched on this is this kind of jump to have kids before you get married I feel like there have been times where older family members have asked me about having kids before inquiring about my relationship status or getting married. And I just think it's kind of like a bizarre thing where people put more kind of onus and pressure on, oh, having kids, but not like having a significant other to help you raise those kids. Do you guys see that? Does that happen? I think that's so interesting because in my family, it's like the exact opposite. Really? Like we have people in our family who have like had kids out of wedlock, like from the older generation. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, any of us get pregnant before marriage. It's like 
what you doing? Like the first <laughs> thing, it, it's like, it's like, in, you know, it's very much been drilled. Like you need to be married before you do that. And I've been like, if I want a kid by myself, I'm gonna have a kid by myself. <laughs> I think in my family, there might be more women that are not married and not in a relationship with kids. And I think it's, and this is sad, and it's sad that this happens in so many black families within the community, that it's more regular for a black woman to have a child than to be married. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I think that, that that might be where it comes from. But I think it's just so absolutely bizarre and not that being a single woman is a bad thing. I just imagine that it's easier to go through the journey of like raising a child when you have with another a partner. person with you. Yeah. It, they say it takes but a an village. active partner because you can have a kid partner. with a partner and you write and still be alone in that shit. But they say it takes a village for a reason. And my brother, he has a two and a half year old. Um, and I see that so much. She's going through her terrible twos and she just like randomly screams. I've FaceTimed them the other day and um, her mom asked her to do something and she just said, no, thanks. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. At least, she has, at least she has manners, though. No, she has manners. She will tell you no in a polite way sometimes, sometimes. But I'm just like, oh, my God. And she's only two and a half. But she's very smart. She can spell already. She's a genius, genius child. But still. Anyway, (laughs) Ellen, kind of tell us about your concerns as a black mom raising a black child. And not only a black child, but a black girl. What are some of your concerns? I know this is going to sound strange, Um this we is, like strange. We welcome be strange. Controversial. <laughs> oh, okay. But I do not think about necessarily the worries that I'm going to have having a a black daughter. Not, not right now anyway. Maybe that'll come later on, but right now I'm just trying to make sure that my girl makes it to one. Okay, I'm trying to do all of the things to make sure that she doesn't randomly pass away from SIDS. Uh, We're almost out of the woods there. Um, And then I'm worried about making sure she doesn't have COVID or doesn't catch COVID um, from anyone. I'm worried about making sure I get her eczema under control because she has eczema. I don't. I know nothing about it. I'm trying to figure out how in the world to do 4C hair because she has hair just like her father. um, And I have like 4A, 4B hair. Um, Those are the things that I'm worried about. I hear a lot of times women talk about, you know, um, how they have to think about how their black child will move in the world. And those are certainly conversations that I plan on having with her one day. But there is no way that I can allow myself to sit and really dwell in that too much. Um, As I said, I have anxiety. Um... And I uh, am just a warrior, period. And so I would probably get myself sick uh, thinking 
that far ahead for one or just even that deep into it. So my focus, my worries are about making sure that she is healthy right now. And then as we move into her getting older, you know, being in the school system and things like that, of course, I'm going to and plan to teach her, you know, how to interact with the police, how she needs to move in the world. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to teach her all of the things like, you know, don't put your hand in your purse. Um, when you're not within the sight of someone, um, when you're in the store and things like that. But those aren't things that I necessarily um, dwell on too much. Yeah, and you have time um, to to address all that. I, I do believe that um, I it just like pains me when I feel like black children aren't allowed to have a childhood. And I say that as like, when I think about like, the stat, um, I think it's like children, black children know what racism is at like five, something crazy like that. I need to redo this. It's something like that. But I even think about like when I um, knew about racism and I feel like it was like like the first day of school when I moved to, um, I went to an all black private school then I went to a essentially all white uh, public school. It was like me and my sister were the only two black people. And like that first day, it was like someone said something and it, I was seven. And I, it's, like, I, I think people forget that, like, children have memory. And, like, I remember the – I'm 27 now. 20 years later, I, I remember this. And I remember I was looking at Instagram. And you guys know Jabria from, like, that TikTok? Um, Jabria, are you smart? Yes. She's so uh, cute. <laughs> yeah. So she – I follow, of course, all the kids. Um, and she on Instagram was talking about, like, it was for – I don't know if it was, like, a – sponsorship with someone or something but she was like and i'm a strong black woman and all this stuff and i was like she's fucking four or five like why is she i don't know it was like a weird conversation about her being black in america and it just like kind of pained me to see her like be aware of like the struggles of being a black person in america at such a young age so i just i don't know i don't know how we can make black children have a childhood longer but it's just so sad when we think about black children, it's like their childhood kind of ends up almost like five or six and they're like expected to like grow up and be aware of racism. I don't know if anyone has any I thoughts mean, like, I wouldn't say, I mean, granted, it all depends situational, like where, like, you know, like everyone's situation is different. I mean, even in the racism I experienced, I wouldn't necessarily say that my childhood ended. It was just like my childhood was continually being interrupted. Like every time I felt like free or like, I forgot that I was different, something would then happen to like put me, like essentially put me in my place and remind me. I mean, like for me, it was, it's actually kind of sad because I feel like when you were saying like, you went, when you switched schools, there was like a comment and you were like seven and that's when it kind of happened. I think the first thing, the first time for me was like when I was three in preschool and a classmate compared my hand and my palm um, to a monkey. And like, of course at three, I don't understand what that is I just think it's you know you're you're just like oh that's an interesting analogy or whatever as an adult looking back I'm like damn I've been internalizing all this shit since I was like three um but and I think it it's just yeah it's just like it make like but it does make me sad that like we can't have the same childhood experiences where it's just like light and fluffy and like we're being carefree and all that stuff um but I do think it has prepared me for the reality of in a world in which I don't think a lot of these white children are prepared for. Like, I feel like people get hit really hard with reality and life and all that stuff. 
and it doesn't like and it's again I think it's not to say it's a good thing um I just think I've been more prepared for the real world and less hurt by it because from an early age I understood how stuff worked I think it's great that you are literally focusing on what you can handle right now when it comes to your child um I think that's so valid just kind of being like I can't afford to freak out about that other stuff now because it doesn't necessarily impact my kid yet so first of all thank you um but I don't think Kia I hear you 100% I hear you um and I think in a perfect world I would love for her to just have a childhood that is free of racism and sexism and weird guys and all of that jazz I would love if if her her um childhood was just literally like you said like fluffy clouds um but I think uh the reality is it's not but what I plan to do is to make it so here so I'm not necessarily worried too much about the world. I did think like one time, like, damn, I'm gonna have to teach her about racism one day. And that sucks. I don't want her to know about, I would love to be like the, all of the white people right now being like, no CRT when they really mean just like, no black people things uh, or no blaming white people altogether. I would love to do that with Liv. I would love to just be like, we don't talk about any of the bad things that happen. But the reality is that's just a part of it. Um, But I'm also actively working to do a lot of things to make sure that she knows that she is loved and that uh, she has a home base that is good. I try to put her in as many black things as possible. Uh, Her nanny is black. About 99% of her books that she has, she has a lot of books, um, feature little black girls in different ways and forms and functions. Her grandmas are very pro-black, so we don't have to worry there. I'm looking at all of the schools. Like, I want to put her in Montessori school because, again, I'm a little bit (laughs) hippy-dippy, a little bit um, crunchy granola, but even with that, I'm in like the black mom Facebook groups going, okay, which of these Montessori schools also have little black girls in it? Because I'm not trying to have her have the same experience that I did growing up in Texas um, originally, where I was one of like two or three black people in my whole class, so much so that they thought me and the other black girl were sisters. We weren't, we took it. <laughs> like, we we are sisters um, at this point. That's not the environment that I'm trying to put her in. But um, I think I just kind of live with the fact that I'm going to have to teach her that. But what she will never know is just complete despair. Not as long as mommy's here, not as long as daddy's here, not as long as her godmama and her family and my village that I have surrounding her is here. She's not going to have to worry about that um, at any point. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I feel like when you were talking about home, that like really hit hard for me at least because I feel like one thing I felt like really, even though I'm, I'm, I still got mixed feelings about my parents choosing Syracuse out of all places to raise their black ass children. Um, 
I, I'm still low-key a little bit mad about, <laughs> about that. But one thing I do feel really blessed about, and I think, like, I've always felt like I had a place to be. And I was always, like, I felt safe at home. And I feel like lots of why a lot of times, like, growing up, I didn't necessarily, like, go out to parties or hang out with all the people. I just, like, wanted to be home because, like, that's where I felt safest. Um, and I know I recognize that, and, like, not every child has that experience. But I think it's great that, you know, you're being very intentional with, like, how you're creating your home for your kid and like her village. Um, and I feel like everyone should at least have, if you can't control the outside world, you should at least have a home to go back to. And I think that's, that's the key. I love the way you put things. Yeah. And, and just to piggyback off of that, me, all three of us had a very similar upbringing and, you know, me and Amari, we talk about this, our parents, our friends, our parents were our best friends. Our parents were our support because like you were saying, you were aware of race at three. I think I had a similar experience growing up where I was BFFs with this white girl and she was like going to hang out with some people after school. And I was like, why can't I come? And she was like, oh, my aunt and uncle don't like black people, so they won't like you either. And I remember being like so young and just kind of accepting it, just kind of being like, all right. And it's like being aware of that hatred so early on is so much to handle for a young kid. But on the other end, my parents were so pro-black. And although we grew up in the suburbs in Syracuse, my parents were constantly like black, black, black be heavy, black, yeah, black, like all the time. So home was was my safe space and your kid's gonna have a beautiful 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 safe space i know it thank you you're welcome that is so sweet thank you <laughs> you're welcome um speaking about a safe space and like having these conversations ellen you mentioned larry your husband and partner of 11 years what are the other conversations that you guys are having um about like raising Liv, um, maybe even before she was born or like currently now, is there any like certain conversations that you guys like really had to talk about? Uh, I will say the good thing about Larry is Larry is pretty laid back for one, um, which is great because I'm always on 10. Uh, so he just kind of lets me lead the way and he goes, all right, whatever you say. Um, but we've been talking about parenting and how we want to parent for a long time. Um, we didn't know it was called gentle parenting before, but I was hearing things on Instagram, uh, not so much TikTok at the time, but I was hearing things on like Instagram or in the beginning of TikTok uh, before I got pregnant, I was hearing things too. And I'd go back to Larry and I'd be like, okay, so I just heard this thing and um I think it's kind of dumb but maybe there's something to it and he'd be like okay play it out and so we talk about the situation and our initial reaction would always be kind of like the typical black parent uh reaction could I give an example actually I think this will be much better with an example so I think one of the earliest videos I remember kind of being along the lines of gentle parenting that I heard um, was this lady talking about how, let's say you want to take your kid out to the park and you tell your kid, okay, put on your jacket because it's cold outside. And the kid goes, no, I don't want to put on my jacket. 
Now, my initial reaction was, I well, we ain't going to wedding. And that just, <laughs> like, like, period. You don't want to listen to me? Okay, we don't need to go anywhere. We can stay in the house then if that's what you want to do. But then she asked, like, right after she gave that same reaction, she was like, what did the kid learn, though, from you saying, all right, then we won't go nowhere? They they learned that they just need to make you happy, but did they learn why they need to wear a jacket or what they need to put a jacket on? And I was like, hmm, okay, that you may have something there. All right, so then I'm thinking, all right, well, then we just take the jacket and we go out and we go to the park and I let them run around out there and be cold. And then when they realize it's cold, then I say, I told you so, you should have worn a jacket. I told you to put on a jacket at the house. She hit that too. And she goes, but again, that's not actually teaching the kid anything. That is you wanting to say, I was right. You were wrong. You need to listen to me next time. What the conversation actually needs to be is, yeah, that's actually why I have your jacket in the car. When it's cold outside, you want to wear a jacket so that you don't feel cold. Then you can have lots of fun at the park and you don't have to stop to go get a jacket. Then next time when you say, go get a jacket so that we can go to the park, they're like, oh, yeah, I need to go get a jacket because it's cold outside. I don't want to feel like that one time that I felt in the park. Not, I don't need to get a jacket. I don't want to get a jacket because mom thought she was right. This time I'm going to be right because kids have power struggles. Um, If you think back to when you were a kid, you were having power struggles with your parents and you wanted to be like, I don't need a jacket this time. I'm good. I, that was last time. You got me last time, but this time would be good. No, this time it's it's setting them up in a situation where they're like, okay, I know I felt cold last time. I'm going to make sure that I get a jacket this time and then we'll go to the park. No problem. And once she fully broke it down like that, Larry and I talked that through and we were like, damn, they kind of right. I still want to get that. That's what I told you though. I like, I still want to get that off, but I recognize that that's coming from like a selfish place. That's really coming from just like a right fighting space. And since then, we have been having all sorts of those kind of conversations. Like how far into this gentle parenting thing do we want to go? Um, and I will tell you, I, I I think it's a really good thing we started having those conversations pre-pregnancy, pre-live, because we have gone from, uh, you know, maybe we'll spank every once in a while. Like maybe we'll use it as a last resort to now where we're like, Absolutely not. Like there will never, the only moment will be like, if you're 15 and you like, here's a knife, I'm finna stab you. Like we finna fight. All right. Hands are being thrown. Like everybody's catching these hands. You trying to take my life. That's what it is. There's, there's no other conversation that needs to be had here. But other than that, there's literally no reason for it. Um, and we've come to that spot now before Liv has turned one, where people are now telling us at this point, she's nine months old, telling us now that we need to pop her for certain behaviors or things that she's doing. And I I wish you guys could see their faces that they just made. But I remember reading a study that said most parents start spanking, who spank, start spanking their kids at one or right before one. And I was like, no way. No way can that be true. That's not possible. But you guys, I'm in these mom groups and they'll be like, this, this, and this is happening. My kid is 10 months old. 
And there'll be people in the comments like, you just need to spank them one or two times and then they'll get it from there on out. You won't have to worry about anything ever again. It's like, this is a literal baby. Like they haven't even been here that long. So Larry and I have had a whole bunch of conversations with a whole bunch of different situations, finding where our line is and what kind of works for us. And we'll continue having those conversations, you know, as Liv gets older and actually starts doing things and whatnot. Wow. You touched on a lot. Um, one, I just want to give people a definition of gentle parenting because I know that some people probably don't know what we're talking about. So do you want to explain what exactly is, like what is included in gentle parenting? Very interesting. I was actually just listening to, and I highly suggest going to listen to um, the episode of The Friend Zone, Kia I can send it to you so you can maybe include it in the description for people to listen to. It was like somebody who is educated and has studied all of this. Um, But gentle parenting is simply um, treating your kid as a little human um, instead of as a person that you control. Um, A lot of people think of kids as a person that was given to them who they are meant to mold. Um, Gentle parenting takes in the fact that this is a human being who already has all of the, uh, the equipment, all of the things in place. We are just guiding them to their next path in life. And so under gentle parenting, there can be lots of different types. Um, There are people who go with permissive parenting, which is something a lot of people think of immediately when they think of gentle parenting, which is just the kid comes in and they say, I want candy for dinner. And then you go, okay, you can have candy for dinner. And then you let them have candy and everybody's happy. And that is the piece of it. Um, Most people aren't there. Some people certainly are, but most people aren't there. Um, So there's that. There's also positive discipline, which then uh, is a little, it's a a little stern, um, but not super. It, It doesn't include, again, it doesn't include any spanking. It doesn't include punishments or anything like that. Um, but there are consequences. Then there are people who do logical consequences. There are people who do natural consequences. There are all sorts of different factors that you can fit in, um, when it comes to actual gentle parenting. But if you just look at it as a whole, it's simply treating your child like the little human that they are, taking into account things like child development, um, taking into account their age, taking into account your responsibility and your emotions as a parent and ensuring that you're respecting this little human that's come into the world. Love that. Um, And then you mentioned the black... So you mentioned that you were in a black mom parenting group. Is this the same group that you said people were talking about spanking at like age before one? I'm in a lot of mom groups. Okay. <laughs> so it depends. Some of them I'm in where they have um they have like Gentle parenting is a must. It's allowed. If you even think about spanking a kid, you're out. That's it. You're you're done. Like you're done here. Then there are others who whatever it is, it is. And that's what it's going to be. So it it truly differs from group to group. I guess I'm asking to see like, are there things that, okay, so I guess we can all talk about what, when we think of black parenting, maybe like as 
we were growing up or like our grandparents I feel like it's what you said when you were giving that example of like all right you don't want to coat we not going to the park like kind of like bucking up with your kids like if you want to talk back like let's go or you know I feel like spanking is very common in the black community and like I mean obviously I can only talk about how black people raise their kids because I don't know how white people raise their kids but um or I think about um when like a guy a baby that's a boy cries it's like no men don't cry um like all this like sometimes there's some homophobia in there um there's just a lot of like not really giving an example as to why like the of course because I said so type parenting and that's just the answer it's like you're not really giving the child um a reason to understand this is just like because I said to and there's a power struggle um so I guess my question to you is like are there common things that you see in the black community that you specifically don't want to use um raising live or like things that you hope to change in parenting among our community yeah so I think we touched on the no spanking I don't want to do that at this point it's ridiculous there's literally no there's not a reason that I can think of that would make sense for you to spank a child there's there's just you can throw them all at me and I've seen people throw them at me there's just there's simply there's none um me personally I don't think I'm actually going to have Liv say yes ma'am no sir to me or her dad now grandma listen I don't have I don't have no control over that one um (laughs) part of gentle parenting is understanding that not everybody is going to be gentle and that's just where it is so when she goes over to grandma's house she's gonna have to say yes ma'am to her but to me I I just I don't feel a need for it um I, I think I'm going to allow what many in the black community consider talking back um, when talking back is often just asking clarifying questions, um, trying to understand, trying to uh, negotiate and see if there's a middle ground. We're going to have conversations about things. That doesn't mean I'm going to let her punk me. That doesn't mean that she gets a choice and all of that. But if I say, hey, no. I'm going to give her the right to say, why no? Why is that? So that I can actually explain it to her. So that's, I know that's going to be a controversial one with my family. I know that's going to seem weird when I'm, you know, out at the grocery store around other black people. I mean, like you let your child ask you a question back. Yes. (laughs) I think that's such a good thing though, because There is such a weird power dynamic in the black community when it comes to your elders. And I think that that starts with your parents. And you think it's just a respect thing, which it is a respect thing. You should respect people older than you. However, it creates this weird thing when you become an adult in situations like, for example, at your job, in situations where you should advocate for yourself, where you should stand up for yourself. But now you feel weird about it because this older person is in this position of power older than you and you don't know how to stand up for yourself and speak up for yourself because you've been told your entire life that older people have the final say and you should just shut up and do what you're told. Janae, I used to literally walk around high school thinking that people who were the grade above me were so much wiser and more knowledgeable and I would give them so much respect as an adult. I'm like, what the hell? We were like, 
We were on the same level. Why was I giving them that much stuff? But literally, also, no one knows shit. No one no knows, one knows anything. Even when you get into a job, your boss don't know what the hell they doing. They just trying to figure it out. And I think you like made such a good point is that like when you I think like the with the power dynamic, when you do that with kids young and like just tell them no or like it has to be your way, I think you then eventually find yourself with grown ass adults who don't know how to make decisions for themselves because they always feel like they have to have their parents approval or their parents know how. And I say this as someone love my parents, but who really does struggle to make decisions on my own because I'm always like afraid that I'm making the wrong decision, but I'm afraid I'm making the wrong decision because a lot of the decisions had to were growing up were co-signed by my parents or something. So, um, I definitely do think that's like something that like if you start like letting your kids like have that agency younger, they won't necessarily run into those issues growing when they're when they're adults and have to like make decisions on their own. Both of you guys are just like speaking right now because also love my mama down. My mom was a wonderful parent. She uh, raised me beautifully. I really did have a happy childhood. However, I was not allowed to talk back. I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I wasn't allowed to ask why. Whatever she said goes, and that just was it at the end of the day. I now, in my various jobs, even as I start to get, I am now in a senior role at my job, and I still have trouble saying, hey, um, is something messed up at work? Hey, yeah, you told me to do that. Um, because X, Y, Z, I had a manager once say, you always say, um, yeah, we made the decision to do this. And I always like made myself smaller because I didn't want to feel like I was talking back. I am not good with authority in that way. And I want to make sure that Liv does not have that same, um, problem in, in any kind of way. So if that means that I'm going to have to answer some more whys, um, when I say, no, you cannot have any more cookies, that's just what it is. But I want to make sure that she doesn't have that fear of standing up to authority or even just speaking on behalf of herself, uh, uh, with, within authority, um, I really want to make sure that that doesn't happen. So that's why I'm, I'm throwing out that out of the window. I will say, um, obviously I'm not a parent, but when I think about those things, I am assuming that parents um, just said like, because I said so, and they want to end the conversation, honestly, just because they're human and they're tired. Like like you said, uh, parenting is exhausting. So I got to go to work and deal with stupid ass, you know, bosses and then I gotta come home to this kid asking me a bunch of fucking questions I'm gonna shut that shit down real quick because I can't do it at work so I feel like if I had to guess that's why um again I don't know I'm not a parent I'm just guessing I I, as I get older I'm I'm understanding dynamics and I think about if I had to get off work and some little four-year-old keeps bugging me I'm gonna be like okay I can't fight you but I can tell you to shut the fuck up (laughs) Like, so I get it. Kia, you are right on the money. You literally pay no bills here. Why are you asking me questions? It's the, the answer is no. That is what you want to say, and that is what you want to do. But ultimately, it does not lead to an adult who is fully sure of themselves and fully able to stand up for themselves. So am I going to be tired? Absolutely. Am I going to be talking big shit in the group chat? Absolutely. 
Is this child going to work my nerves? I can already tell you I have what they consider a spirited child, quote unquote. All right. She is she is going to try my gangsta from day up to day down. I know that it's going to happen. But ultimately, the end goal is making sure that when she's an adult, she's not having these same kind of issues that I have when it comes to communication with those who are in authority of her. I think it's also like it makes the relationship between you and the child better because I feel like this whole thing of like, you know, you can never talk back, you can never ask questions. Um, and then when you get older, your parents want to know more about your life. So they're like, who are you dating? What are your friends up to? And it's like, wait, we don't have that type of dynamic because every time I I talk to you, you shut shit down real quick. So it's like it's, it's weird because I feel like parents like do that. And then when you're older, you kind of like put some boundaries up and then they're like, wait, no, tell me, tell me everything. And it's like, wait, that was never our dynamic growing up. And it can't just magically shift at 25. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think when you have that more of a dialogue, um, I think it's so important to like say if Liv is like having issues with like dating, whoever that is, and she could come to you and ask about like dating advice or maybe even like reproductive stuff like maybe she's having like a pelvic floor issue or some there's a lot of things that I think um people of an older generation just shut that down like no sex talk no nothing and it's like your kid is gonna find out anyway so you might as well have that conversation instead of the kid trying to like have sex behind your back or drink alcohol or do drugs and it's like you know you can tell them about like maybe get your weed from a regulated place like, so they're not, you know, doing stuff that's laced from fentanyl. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying yeah. you're real shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd rather say. have that conversation with my kid instead of them doing some fucking shit from, like, Mexico that they don't know of. I'd rather you just tell me, hey, I'm doing some drugs. But it is, it is uh, straight for the dispenser. I'd be like, you know what? I lost <laughs> this battle, but I'm happy. I will say with, with my parents, one thing that I loved is that they always kind of told us to speak up you know not go against them (laughs) but speak up like what do you want my parents I feel like when I was younger my parents would always be like what do you want and then like I'd be like an applesauce and my mom would be like what I'd be like applesauce um and I think that that kind of encouraged an environment where if there was something Although I would be nervous to talk to my parents about it, I knew I could. So that's something that I loved about my parents. Um, I had one last question. I don't know if Kia and Amari had a question that they wanted to ask, but okay. So we've talked about social media. You've talked about how you're in tons of different groups and you're on TikTok and what have you. I'm just really curious about having kids and putting content up about kids on or your kids on social media before they can kind of consent to these intimate moments of their childhood being available for millions of people to see. I feel like I've seen so much discourse on TikTok about those parent bloggers and then people saying, isn't that kind of gross that you put your kid up like that? And I'm just curious as a parent, where do you kind of sit on that? I kind of sit in the middle. It's Mm. funny. I did a lot of thinking about this ahead of time. Um, I 
I went back and forth and I ultimately decided to lock down my Instagram. My Instagram used to be public. It's private now. Um, and I don't just let anybody in. I rarely post pictures of her on Twitter because Twitter is out there. Um, I do post pictures of her on Facebook, but everybody who's on my Facebook, I know. Um, and I very rarely do TikToks that are focused around her and I never will. Um, I include her in some of my TikToks. She'll be on my hip or whatever, but um, I never will have a page that's dedicated to her. And it's actually less about the consent thing, although I do think that is a fair point. It's one that I just haven't been able to wrap my head around or really have an opinion around. We're ultimately like the first generation that's having kids grow up completely online. So there's like, there's no data behind this. There's only like a few like case studies that you can actually look to. So I don't really have my mind wrapped around that. Um, but for me, one of the things that I learned uh, with Kia in the Facebook group is, can I say the N word? Niggas is weird. Okay. Niggas is real weird. And like niggas do <laughs> like real weird stuff just to get back at you for very slight things that aren't even really considered a big deal. And when I was pregnant with Olivia, I was like, this is the light of my little life. Like I love her and I'm obsessed with her. And at no point do I want weird niggas getting access to her that I don't know personally. Like I need to know you for you to have access to all of the light that is Olivia. And even with that, I don't talk about, I don't talk about bad things that Olivia does. And I never, I will never put all of her business out on front street. Now I do talk about from a mom perspective, it being hard because I don't think that perspective is out there um, and is known. And I may allude to, you know, Liv cries a lot or my girl is spirited. Um, if <laughs> Kia probably saw it the other day, maybe Kia doesn't be on places, but I'm pretty sure my child be cussing me out. I just don't, she, she doesn't speak full words yet, um, but the hand movements and the tone tell me that she's probably cussing me out. I just don't know yet. When she gets to a point where she possibly is cussing me out, you will never actually see that, know that, hear about that until later on when she's able to say, yeah, you can you can talk about that out loud. That's, that's fine. Um, I want her to have as fresh, as clean, as a slate as possible, um, while still being able to share parts of my life. And so I've really kept that on more private networks just for me. Um, I don't judge anybody who does, um, who doesn't, who has more public profiles or who have created whole profiles for their children. I think everybody's thoughts are different. Well, I do judge people who do like weird stuff with their kids, like stuff that's clearly making their kids upset or just completely put their kids out on front street. That's weird to me. And I will judge you for that. But um, what every parent chooses to do is different for them. But for me, I just want to make sure that 
when she goes to elementary school or Twitter, some little crusty kid can't be like, I got on Twitter. I found your mama's Twitter page. I searched Olivia's name and I found out all the bad things that you were doing back until 2022 when you first jumped out the gate. Like that's not the experience that I'm trying to give her. Um, and so I'm, I'm keeping it uh, in a closer circle, in a smaller circle. Okay, with that, should we go to social responses? Yes. So on Instagram, we asked our audience, do you want kids? 69% of you said, I sure do. And 31% of you said, nah, I'm good. And then we had a follow-up question and we said, we asked, is it hard to raise black kids in America? Why or why not? Uh, One audience member said, yes, I wouldn't want them killed by the police. I'm not going to have kids in this country. Um... I'm curious what country they would have kids in. So maybe that's a follow-up question I will ask this person. Because to be honest, everything's looking a little iffy. Um, And then someone else said uh, they do believe it's hard to raise kids in America. Um, Keep in mind, I'm not a parent, but have worked around kids as a teaching artist. I definitely think it's hard to raise kids in America because you send them off to school and you're probably praying extra hard for their safety, not only in a society that is gun crazed, but also in a society that is very racist and even sees black children as a threat. Then as black women, we were seen as being more grown than white counterparts, like the over-sexualization and and adultification of black girls. Like, what is wrong with y'all? And of course, black children are punished more severely um, in school than white kids for doing far less. So I think that kind of goes back to like what we had talked about earlier. It's just like not being able to control like the outside world and how they um, perceive your child, interact with your child. um, And that kind of being like the scary part. Um, So I thought it was just interesting to to see what our readers had said. And I I am not going to lie. I'm actually surprised 69% said I sure do. I thought that I thought that number was going to be lower for people that said they would have kids. Really? I yeah. I think with our audience, yes. I would say our audience is a little unconventional. Like they're they're definitely different. So I I, I agree with them. I thought it would be a little less, but I'm mm. I guess I feel like at the core a lot of people still want that um that white picket fence life even though they act like they don't but i do think a lot of people deep down like that's what you know that's what they're told completely agree i also think that it's kind of trendy to not want traditional things right now like people in their heart want tradition but they want to sit here and be (laughs) like nah fuck love dar dar but it's like you know you want to be a princess stop (laughs) so yeah I'm not surprised at all. I was actually, I'm surprised at the number 31%. I feel like that's kind of high for now. Nah, I'm good. I oh, feel like wow. that's kind of high. But numbers don't lie yeah. to how people feel. And, you know, it could just be the, and it could all just be the day. Like, maybe today they're just like, nah, I'm good. And maybe tomorrow they'll be like, yeah, sure do, because that's how I am. It depends on the that's day, true. ask me. <laughs> Yeah, because every time I wake up, I'm like, that stay-at-home mom life is looking really nice. It's looking really nice sometimes. (laughs) I I literally curse myself when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, whatever. I was having a conversation with some friends, and one friend was like, I think I just want to be a mom one day. 
And um, me and my other friend was like, what? You don't want a career? Like, we were being such assholes about it. And I look back and I was like, I was a dumb hoe. Because all I want is a man (laughs) to pay my bills so I can lay up and cook him some damn meals and work (laughs) on my hobbies. That's all I want. I'm cool with that. I'm cool. Yeah. Listen, it can still happen. It can still happen. Yeah, it can still happen. I'm only 28. It can still happen. Or you you yourself could come into an unsuspected amount of money. All right, Amari. Through your career. (laughs) Yeah, but then you got to pay taxes. Like, if it's another nigga's money, then you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. I don't have to worry if, like, when's the next time I'm going to get this check. No, you figure it out, nigga. Like, exactly. (laughs) And you take care of me, I'll take care of you. I'm not opposed to wearing an apron. Listen, we can protect and provide in different ways. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. As long as I'm the money. Yep. I'll protect the kid. That's it. Can I just say, uh, let me just, I just want to, just on something that you said from one of the things earlier with like kids being punished in school more and all of that stuff. I think another reason why I'm not super worried about it is, as I like to say, um, a little bit of a throwback, I will Millie rock on any block when it comes to my child. Um, and my mother will also Millie rock on any single block when it comes to her child. At no point is anybody going to be doing something to my child and it doesn't end up being a problem and a headache for years to come for them period that's why i'm not super worried my mother is a teacher we know the system larry's in the school system right now we know the system at 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 no at any point we are ready to ride and so i will simply just not be worrying about that because if you would like that headache if you would like that pain and i'm a petty person I'm a petty person who live. I'm a Gemini, okay? I oh my like gosh, for, my mom's like a Gemini sh- too. And she was like all up in that I like to stretch out the pain. Her yes. and my dad. <laughs> I like to stretch out the pain for as long as possible. It makes me happy. I have fun with it. So if that's what you would like to try, if that's whose child you would like to try, fine. Bring it. Let's do it. But I'm not going to be sitting around worrying about that happening because it'll just... when. If and when it comes up, it's handled. It's done. Mama She's Millie rock on any block. Okay. <laughs> this is where we insert Mama. the Kia. The Kia. No, oh, shoot, no. Quinta. Quinta Brunson. Um, <laughs> Millie rock. Millie rock around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I totally get that. I feel that way about my niece, too. I'm like, we could throw hands. Okay. My niece's name is Olivia, too. So popular oh. name. Okay, but this is because this is what white educators get wrong. They see a black child and they think they got they ain't got nobody to come up in here and speak for them. But they'll be hella surprised when the parents come in because I feel like my school district was very thankful when me and my sister graduated because my parents were <laughs> there in a, a beat. I remember one time they called a meeting with all of my teachers and the principal and vice principal because of Yo. some shit that went down. <laughs> but. Kids, Your parents church me. stepped up into that building. They was like, <laughs> "Yeah, my parents." Were, and then it got real. It got real. My parents were like, "It's you who doesn't like my child. You have the problem." <laughs> oh yeah, I remember God. the one time that a teacher slammed a pencil on my desk, 
And I went home and told my mama that. That lady was very nice to me for the rest of the year. It was never a problem. Never a problem. I never had any worries with my mom. I knew at every turn. You can be mean to me if you want to. I will call my mama and she will be up here in a hot second. I can't wait. And Olivia can expect that same thing from me. I can't wait for a Caucasian to try my child. I am. I'm gonna be Millie rocking on any block. I'm gonna stroll up in that school and say, "Who do I need to talk to?" <laughs> I cannot wait to light shit on fire. I can't I wait. I'm so excited for. The I'm gonna day. have to have a partner that um, is the more reasonable one in the relationship because <laughs> I already know that it's gonna be fire. It's gonna be fire. I don't. I. I don't even have a child. I just know that I will literally stab someone. If you talk to my kid a way I don't like, I'm willing to go to jail for it. Straight up. And I'm not willing to go to jail for anybody. Not even Larry. Yeah. Um, but I am willing <laughs> to go to jail for Olivia. <laughs> and that's how you know it's love, okay? That's how you tell love. That's it's you a love that, that you can't describe. But you just did, Ellen, so thank you. Yes. Thank yes. you. Um, Thank you, Ellen, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, is your busy mom schedule to talk about parenting with Sufficiently Black. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much. It was great talking to you today. I feel like I learned things, and I think our audience is really going to love this episode. Yeah. It was really wonderful talking with you guys. So cool seeing your faces again. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love the show much success going forward and again thank you thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode you can talk to us on social media at sufficiently blk and you can email us at sufficiently black podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you just want to give us some feedback and you can too you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast and don't forget to follow us on all the podcast things so you can have automatic downloads to our episodes and you won't miss anything. Until next time, bye. 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 Sorry. Yo, unmuting that mic. Wow. It was hard. It was hard.